Hello and welcome to the Courageous Leaders Club. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level and activate your full potential so you can lead with courage, certainty and conviction? Then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Joanna Howes, and in this podcast, we feature creative industry leaders who share their stories, learnings and incredible insights on what helped them to achieve success. So let's get started with today's story of Courageous Leadership. Hello and welcome to the Courageous Leaders Club and I am absolutely delighted and very excited to have the incredible Nikki Bullard with us today. Welcome Nikki. Hi, delighted to be here myself. Thank you very much for inviting me and live. I know, we're going live out there on three different (laughs) platforms at the same time, so I'm very excited. (laughs) Nikki, you know, thank you for joining us today on the club. You're career is incredible and to introduce you properly to those watching you know Nikki was the first creative woman to become UK chair of a marketing agency and more recently promoted to chair of Europe like huge congratulations <laughs> thank you so um, much it, it just must I be wish I could go to the plane and go and I visit know. Your- <laughs> and <have> jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you can go and see them I suppose you're just seeing them on zoom right now aren't you yeah so. which is great because I'm getting loads of FaceTime. I need to get on that plane and go and visit some of those wonderful cities, I think. That's lovely. Surely there's got to be some perks. There's got to be lots of perks. <laughs> and this is obviously at MRM. So how long have you been at MRM now? Five years, just five years, yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, incredible achievement. I mean, our chair of Europe in five years, which is wonderful. Yeah, I'd never have imagined it, actually. So sometimes I need to go, is that me? When I see that on my LinkedIn, is that, is that me? <laughs> that is yeah. Talk to myself because that would be weird. I do, and I love that because I talk to. I actually work. You just made me think. I work with a lot of leaders where we do a lot of identity work, and it's like, yeah. Remember, make the decision or think about who you are today. You know, you're the chairwoman. Like, it's like, oh god, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm making that decision, and it, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Identity is so yeah, powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've also been featured and won nearly all the major shows, and we're going to be going on and talking about creativity a bit later. I know you've got some really fantastic viewpoints on creativity and creative leadership. But where I'd love to start and where I start with all the guests is just very curious, what does courageous leadership mean to you? I think courageous leadership is going with your gut instinct and having Mm. that courage to say, do you know what? This is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it, even if it's a difficult thing or something that other people are going, what? But you're going, no, I think this is the right thing to do. And Sometimes it might be against the general consensus, but as a leader saying, no, I think this is the right thing to do. But obviously not just based on a whim, looking at the evidence, weighing it up, using your common sense. And sometimes it's about not just making decisions for the moment, but thinking about the long game. What does this mean in the long term? So it can be, you know, it's, I think, probably making difficult decisions, but having the courage to go with your gut. And I think coming from a creative background that's something and a creative leadership background Mm -hmm. that's something you know we're well placed to do that because we're often presented with a myriad of ideas and we don't have much time to make a decision on what we think out of those ideas is the best idea and it's a big decision because you've then got to rally people behind that one idea spending hours of time you know money and then you've got the big client presentation and you've got to believe in what you're selling and what you're saying. So I think that's really helped me as a leader, having that in the background. But yeah, I think it's having the courage of your convictions. Oh, I'm actually going to write that down. Courage of convictions. <laughs> and I was hearing through that as well is having that self-trust, being able yeah. to 
back yourself <laughs> really does take time. And I think just something, you know, from my own experience is and coming sort of up through the industry is that men tended to be better at that than women or got there sooner maybe is what I mean not better at it but got there sooner and I think we often as women need validation from other people before we make decisions so many years ago we did an experiment where we didn't say what it was for and we did it with campaign magazine actually and we invited young men and young women to come in one by one into a room and they were asked questions such as have you ever asked for a pay rise? And the guys were like, you know, all of them were like, yeah, of course I have. <laughs> Sometimes when I didn't deserve it, of course I have. And the women, all of them were not straight away. I've talked to my colleagues or I've talked to my family or my friends and we're much more considered around some of our personal visions. And I think there's a lot for us to learn from that. And it took me a long time to push myself forward a bit more and put my hand up and ask. So, yeah, I think I'm just trying to remember what your question was now because I've just gone around the circle. But yeah, it, it took me personally a long time to get there. I think when I had my first child and I was 33, so quite okay. a bit older, and that made me tired and impatient, which helped me so much in my career because I thought I haven't got time for these politics. I can't hang around. I've got to push forward. I just let's just get this done. And it really helped me go with my gut, that sort of frustration and impatience. And being tired. I've never heard you like that before. <laughs> it. It's such a positive. It's such a, yeah. it's such a positive from something you think is a negative. And it's a good place to channel it and pushing yourself forward. I'm just curious, actually, with that energy and with having a child as well, in terms of then starting to have that self-trust and back yourself and doing the right thing, do you think when then you have the child, your focus is different and you have a slightly different perspective and it's not just about you anymore, but you're wanting to... Yeah, I mean, I found it, you know, so if you think, I was 33, I was at the time, if I remember rightly, a creative director on the Boots account, which actually was brilliant because I was doing stuff like Parenting Club and there was all this brilliant, insightful stuff. So this was all going to help enrich me, but no, I went back to work within 12 weeks after I had my first child. And because my husband had hated his job, he jacked it in, we decided to do our house up. So I was a sole earner with a mortgage, had to go back 12 weeks, still getting up and doing the feeds at night. And it was sort of crazy, crazy times. And things have, I mean, it's quite a long time ago, to be fair. I was 33, nearly 20 years ago, which is mad. But it was every moment that I was at work, I said to myself, I have got to make this count because it's a moment away from my child it's got to make there's no point in me being away from my child who I want to be with every moment of the day if this isn't fun if it's not pushing me forward if if there's no future for me if I'm not doing great stuff getting the buzz because what's the point in being right and it really drove me forward and as I said I think that accelerated my career because that frustration and I needed to validate the fact that I'd gone back to work, actually, and in every moment of being at work. So I did. I pushed and made every second count. And it was long hours. And, you know, even with small child, I went on to have another child four years later and push and push and push. But that's when my career took off. I became ECD. And What an amazing message. Thank you. I've never, ever heard it said like that before. And I just think what amazing benchmarks to have that make everything count. And yeah. How incredible if we could do that without having to be forced to do that, that we all had that kind of attitude of let's make it count, let's make it count. I was always ambitious and always had a plan. 
and always work really hard. But I think that was just, and I think it's my personality is I find it much easier to, for example, I find it much easier to go and ask a difficult question on behalf of someone else or to fight for someone else than I do for myself. It's just one of those things. I'm really quite, you know, cowardly about going, excuse me, can I have a pay rise or whatever it happens to be. I'm really, really, really bad at it. But if someone else deserves it, if I see injustice with someone else, I will fight for it and do it. So I think for me, it really helped me channel my career and all of that passion doing it on behalf of my kids. And it's great because, you know, they are 18 and 14 now and they say they're proud of me. And that's, the, I mean, you're like, oh, my God, you know, that's the best. The I best. Mean, of yeah. Just yeah. to let you know, we've got uh, Christina, Ellen and Alexandra watching where Ellen's just saying that she's loving this. And Alexandra, this oh. is so powerful, Nikki, and totally resonates. Thank you for sharing. Oh, great. Good. Good. And any questions you've got while you're watching, please put the questions in and I can see if we can get time to ask Nikki the questions as well. So the next question I have for you, though, moving on from that, is where have you then had the courageous moments in your career which then really kind of made a shift for you? So I had a really great question. There are probably some I can't remember which might be micro-courageous moments, which are just as important, I think, as the big things. Probably dyeing my hair black and cutting it quite short and going into work. And I had, like, white highlights and things, like a bird pooed on my head. That was quite a courageous was walking into the office to be fair no there was one moment where it was a series of moments but it was in a job that I was in and I had a really incredible when you get to a certain level this is the stuff creative people often don't know about but when you get to a certain level you start getting things like incentive plans and shares and things like that so I got to a point where I was given a fantastic incentive plan which was worth a lot of money but I'd gone through an experience where I'd fallen out of love with the agency and my job and at the same time it was incredible you know when something fake happens and opportunity you know like the whole door closes opportunity window yeah. opens if that's a door I don't know whatever it is one door closes so, another one opens yeah and I had an incredible opportunity with MRM to come and join MRM which didn't seem like an incredible opportunity in the first place because it was the same opportunity I was asked first of all someone asked me to go for a drink and said you know do you want to come in as ECD and I was like I'm kind of doing that already where I am and I've got a really good deal and I was being very rational about it. And then I had another conversation with the outgoing chair and CEO who offered me the role of chairwoman as well as chief creative officer. And that changed such a lot for me, not because it's obviously quite amazing to be offered the role of chairwoman, right? Because that's just like, oh my goodness, I might be wearing a pinstripe suit and smoking a cigar. Because what my mum thought was going to happen, I'd have a big boardroom, that's where I walked around the agency. Name on the door. <laughs> exactly, like a thing on your desk. And a drinks cabinet globe. I have got one of those, actually. In my um, Anyone's welcome if you want to come. But yes, I was offered that opportunity. And I remember I'd had two gin and tonics, quite large ones, at this meeting. And then I got on the train back to Guildford. And I sat on the train and I thought, I've got this deal that if I stayed where I was for a couple of years, you know, it would have been incredible. But I knew I wasn't in love with where I was anymore. And there was this opportunity of being a woman and a creative woman to lead an agency to bring creative vision to an agency and that to be a lens that isn't yeah. often put at the yeah. pinnacle of leadership. There's no way I couldn't have done that job. And it was also the agency at the time was doing some great work but wasn't being heard about. You know, that's what I do all the time is champion the work and the agency and the people. 
so it was kind of when I made the decision on the train I remember texting them back and said oh. I did, we talked about financials or <laughs> anything like that or anything I was just I'm doing it I said we'll talk about the detail it was a real going back to the gut instinct thing yeah. it was a total it's a bit like any house I've ever bought has been done in 10 seconds but I was just like I've got to do this because it's a massive opportunity and a responsibility being creative and a woman. It's a brilliant agency that is a bit of a dark horse. And actually, there's what's holding me where I am, apart from this huge financial incentive. When I resigned from my job, and as sad as it was, I've been there a long time, lovely people, incredible agency. Walking away from that amount of money was so liberating. If I told my dad at the time, he would have said, what the hell are you doing? You're being really stupid. It was so liberating because I realised I'm not motivated by money. And the yeah. fact I had asked about my package where I was going, it's important. I need to feel valued and everybody should feel valued. But for me personally, money doesn't motivate me. Changing something motivates me. You know, creating something motivates me. People being happy coming to work motivates me. Yeah. Not the money that goes in my bank account every month. It helps. It's nice to go on nice holidays and not to be necessarily as worried about things as I might have been when I was 20. Yeah. But it's getting up every day, working with incredible people, helping people who are having a tough time, seeing when you're presented work and someone's shown you something that makes you tingle and I cannot wait to present this to a client. Yeah. You know, and also winning new business, seeing the numbers in the agency go up and it's growing or having a situation you need to sort out, which is really tricky. But then a week later, you can look back on that and think, oh, we got together and we sorted it out together as a team. That's the joy of it. And that's my own personal experience. I know lots of people are motivated by money and I'm not saying that's a problem with that. But it was such a liberation and a revelation for me and a massive part of my career, which helped me be courageous, I think, moving on. I knew I would never be selling my soul because I think our souls are too valuable. Oh, completely. And the wonderful like message you're sharing is how important it is to be true to yourself and live your values. So yeah. if one of your values is money and that's what makes you happy, fantastic, but you're right. living your value. But if yeah. you value creativity, joy, growth, passion, then you're like, that's where it was so interesting. That it's so liberating for you because you were connecting back to what's important to you. Exactly. And I don't think I, I think I've been on, you know, going at a million miles an hour, making every second count, working all the hours I had. I don't think I'd stopped and taken a deep breath. I think yeah. that was a moment where I got to know myself. And, you know, that's five years ago. Wow. <laughs> so I'm 52. So that was quite late. Remarkably, I'd actually say it's more normal than not that people are getting kind of sort of 40 onwards. And when people start going, who am I? And actually, what do I want? And what makes me happy? And yeah. I can't tell you much. I come, a lot of the work I do with leaders initially is like, yeah, let's work out who you are and what you want. You think by that age, you know. Well, I set up yeah. my business at 40, turned 40 and went, what am I doing with the rest of my life? What makes me happy? And it seems yeah. to be that age where we start to come into our own a bit. And well, I remember being on holiday. I'm going back 20 years ago with my mum. We were in Greece. And so I just had, my oldest was a year old, so I was 34. And we were sitting around by the sea and we we're having a cocktail. And she said, just so you know, at some point you're going to have that moment and you think, is this all worth it? Yeah. What am I doing? Not just about your career, you know, your whole life. And you're going to have those <laughs> moments. You're going to have a few of those. I said, she was brilliant. She said, don't be scared when they happen. They're actually really good. Because yeah. it makes you take a deep breath. It makes you think about it. Because we're all, you know, and I think the last year and a half, in some ways, they've been crazy, but they've slowed us down. You know, the whole not running for the train every morning. 
that stress of am I going to get a seat on the train so I can do my emails or do whatever I need to do that just those things which seem like they're on the periphery and aren't important are the things that take up space in here yeah. that don't allow us to think stop and think about ourselves even doing this and just talking to you now yeah it's been ages since I've had a chat like this it's yeah. brilliant so cathartic thank you <laughs> It's just like a reset. It's like, oh, really? what's going on in the world? Yeah. What's going on in my world, my bubble? Yeah, um, exactly. I'm really curious to go on to. You shared just then how important it was for you to have this opportunity as a creative leader, really being in that space now of being able to drive a business. We were having a great conversation before we went live about creative leadership and actually how few top leaders actually have come from a creative background. Would you be happy to kind of share your insights and your views of what you're noticing? I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you think about it, often the people who end up in a CEO position have come from account management backgrounds. We've seen more and more strategies actually come through, which is quite interesting. But still, the minority and the creative people are just like, there's hardly anybody creatively leading a business. But you think if you're in account management, you've got the word management in your job title. Well, you've got account executive, you've already got executive, account manager. So you're sort of second step up. And that means you're being primed to lead yeah. from the moment. I think creative people, that's not what we don't join the industry to lead an agency as business people. We join just to do great work, to, to get some validation on that work and win rewards and the joy of that, to sell products, to do stuff that you can show to your family who work on brands that are incredible and the fun of it and the joy of being surrounded by other wonderful, creative and interesting people that inspire you. For some people, they've got a side hustle and they want to be, you know, the next Spielberg. And that's amazing. For some people, they're pure, as I call pure creatives who have the joy and the love and the craft. There are other creatives who are strategic creatives. I think that's probably where I, every creative person should be strategic. I think I was much more a blend probably of the strategist. I say was, that makes it sound like I don't think I'm creative anymore because I still do the work. But I think I was more of a blend of a strategist and creative person. But I also loved the client relationships mm. and that side of it and was interested in it. And I, I sort of, I did the traditional trajectory through sort of the creative landscape from sort of junior copywriter through to middleweight to senior to head of copy to creative director to ECD. When I was at leader, I worked with the brilliant Matthew Heath and Victoria Fox and me, but we were in the same office. So I had the chairman who happened to be um, the chief strategy officer as well the CEO, the incredible Victoria and me, by osmosis, you learn so much all round, I think. And that made me understand how the business worked. But this is, again, quite late in my career. Probably, you know, only about 10 or 12 years ago, I started learning about it. And I actually got very excited about it. How do we drive the business forward? Mm. What are the targets? You know, all those things and getting into the HR side of things and learning beyond, I guess, the creative side. And then realizing that to be a good creative person means you've got all those tools to to lead an agency because you're always thinking about what's the problem or the opportunity and how am I going to solve it and how am I going to prove it with results? So in a weird way, it was like, Oh, my goodness. And when I was offered the job at MRM and the chairwoman thing, there was part of me with the massive imposter syndrome, which we were talking about earlier, that everybody has. And if you don't, you're scary. I'm not sure. <laughs> I if you don't have it. But, oh, my goodness, can I do that? And the other side of thinking, just do what you do about a brief that you're terrified of. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to crack this. Is it? We always have that fear. Well, I had, in my experience, had that fear as a creative. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've got 
three days, yeah. I've got to crack this thing. But something happens in your brain. It goes, and you'll always have a good idea. And then if you're lucky, you'll have a great idea. And then there'll always be a better idea if those ideas go away. So I think it's having that, just thinking, do you know what? If other people believe in you and they're asking you to do it, I just think to have waited to be asked was an interesting thing. And I think, I don't know, it'd be great to know, and I'd love to talk about this with senior creative people who do want to do the business side of it and see, you know, talk about why they want to do it. How can we help them do it? Because I don't know many creative people are leading agencies actually and I think we've got all the skills to do it if we not every creative person like every account person does to lead an agency but there are going to be people out there yeah who are creative who have all the skills to do it and I think it's a lot from experience I've seen being in agencies it's a bit of a like a limiting belief that you just don't find an assumption that creatives wouldn't want to do that you know yeah I mean there is it's kind of a box isn't there it's like oh they're you know, someone once said it to me, and I wasn't very happy about it. I said, oh, you know, you do the colouring in, someone said to me, which is so naughty to say. I said, mm, I've met so many incredible creative people who could actually run the country, right? You know, they're running creative departments. And if you think within a creative department, the different personalities you have with creative people, the different <laughs> abilities, the different ego levels, the different insecurities, you know, having to often deliver bad news to them saying, I'm not sure that idea is right, which for creative people is like, <gasps> because every time you present your work, you know, as a creative person, you're being courageous, going back to your yes. courageous point, is your heart, and I'm going like this, because it is literally your heart and your sleeve, yeah. it's from in here, you're saying, this is from in here, I believe this is good, what do you think? And the person you're saying to the creative director or whoever it might be, might turn around and say, that really doesn't work for me. And you have to get to understand people and try and create a safe environment where it's okay to say something ridiculous because sometimes the ridiculous can be the genius and you have to have the environment to do that so I do think there are many creative people who have the skills to run agencies and I love to see more of it feeling quite excited now trying to think like who we can connect with to just get a conversation going and try and find these people that are actually going I've never thought I could do that it actually excites me now that that is a possibility because you kind of just go with the norm of what you see like it's a account management you know I, uh, you see, I champion project management a lot a lot of my background was in operations and I was so excited when I saw I think it was Danny Bazell became from project management CEO of Digitax you're like you've I'm, got that honestly, I was not with a, a young woman who's a digital yeah. project manager at our place yeah who I've just started working with she just joined us mm-hmm. and we just did we've got a really complicated piece of business that mm-hmm. she's been put on we've also just done a massive pitch she could absolutely run the business, right? Because she's in every part of it. Yeah. I think that's what, from project management point of view, it's like yes. a bit like executive assistants. Yeah. Executive assistants are also, and HR people, those people are like, they see every part of the business. They understand how it works. So I think nobody should think you have to be on a certain path to get there. And I think we are opening our worlds up. I, you know, had so many insecurities about the fact I'd never been to university when I first started working in business. Because when I first started, most creative people had been, you know, they had degrees in English or they'd been to particular places. And I didn't. And I had a real, I mean, the imposter syndrome thing was absolutely like a massive rock on my shoulder. And then I realised it's what we do as creative people is about understanding human beings and Mm. turning our understanding into something interesting and memorable 
and it's not about have you been to university and got a degree no I didn't have a degree either and I yeah I had imposter syndrome for years and went on this huge drive of having to prove myself probably way more than if I had done but as you said before it's amazing where you can see the positive in things if that actually hadn't have happened I probably wouldn't be where I am now so just curious, you know, you're in a very amazing leadership position. How do you encourage people in your team to access their courageous zone? What would you say is great advice for leaders with their teams? Well, I've just sort of touched on it, really, is we don't want it. To... Courageous means putting yourself out there, I think. So I'm making yeah. a tough decision, but it's putting yourself out there and saying, I think this mm-hmm. and just going back to the safe and secure environment where it's okay to disagree with people. It's okay to stick your neck up and mm. say, I'm not sure about that. And to go against the general consensus and get it out there. It's, it's not just courage. It's your right to do it. As a, anybody who turns up for work, everybody's got the right to their voice and to have an opinion. As a lead, sometimes you have to go against popular opinion because you're often looking not in the moment, but at that long game. You can't, for all sorts of reasons, you can't always explain why. That's the tough bit. Yeah. As a leader, there's so many confidentialities and things that you can't always explain why you're doing something at the time you're doing it. You can later on, but not always yeah. at the time you're doing it because there are other things at play at, at network level or whatever it happens to be. So I think it's the moral compass thing and just holding on to that and you know making sure you're on the right side of history, as we've heard that a lot over the last 18 months. And doing the right thing morally but also the right thing for business and having the courage to say I'm not cool with that yeah. and to talk about it and you might you know sometimes we all have to do things we don't agree with because we've got another courageous leader above us maybe who's yeah. making that tough decision it's just to remember there's always you know there's always pros and cons of everything but I think having the environment if you don't feel you're in an environment where you can be courageous then yeah. challenge the people who are leading your environment yeah I couldn't agree more. And it's, I do a lot of work with companies and the first place I start is environment. What's your environment? What do people say about you? You know, I think it's that thing, isn't it? The, the water cooler moment. It's the unwritten ground rules because that's yeah. really environment, not what you put in your creds or you go and say you do as a deck. It's the, it's the unwritten ground rules that is really what is going on in your agency. Yeah. So, so important. Nikki, like my word, like just gold after gold after gold, what you've shared today. And you've inspired me just to think about what we can do with creative leadership and encouraging creative leaders. And yeah. you know, mentioned before, there's not much training out there for creatives either. It tends to go to the people you believe are going to do that career path. So, you know, what could be possible there? Yeah. So you've collected so much wisdom along your way and your journey. What advice would you give to your younger self or advice, you know, that you're thinking people watching this that are maybe still quite early in their career and are really ambitious and are looking at you going, wow, you know, how do I get there? What advice would you pass on to those people? I guess it's probably find your motivation, which mine was the impatience word, as I said. I think I was so tired and impatience word. I found, as I said, my courage in doing it for my kids and making sure every moment counted. I think it took me a long time, and we talked about the imposter syndrome thing and the university thing, is not thinking you need to be someone else. I've worked for some incredible people. I've been so blessed in my career, particularly incredible women, who I thought, oh, maybe I need to be a bit more like them. I didn't. I just need to be myself, more like myself, maybe, more like myself. And I think everybody is incredible. Everybody's amazing. 
there's nobody's more amazing than someone else. Everybody's amazing. There's something amazing in all of us. And it's about being comfortable enough with yourself to say, or just that is a courageous thing, actually, is to step forward and say, I'm all right. And yeah. you know what? Other people don't think I'm all right. I'm never going to win. So I might as well get it out there and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> I've seen people who have been in one agency and, you know, really had a tough time. And people are like, oh, you know, they weren't very good. They'll go to another agency and right. they flourish because the sun has shone on them in that agency. It's not, sometimes you can work somewhere and it's just not where the sunshine is for you that helps you grow. So it's when you find that place and to find it, you have to be yourself. And it's just like, yeah. it's not working out. Move on because if you're being yourself and it's not gelling or whatever, move on and find your sunshine. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Find your sunshine. I love that. It, it, it connects with me so much because I normally say stand in your light. Yeah, well, exactly. Find, things, find your light. Yeah. It's often accidental, right? You can't always, we don't know because we just feel it. You know, I said to you, I talk about riding the wave and I keep saying, I'm just riding the wave and that helps me get through difficult moments. I'm on that surfboard, even though, believe me, I can't even get up on a surfboard. I envision myself, I'm on that surfboard, I'm on a wave, and who knows where, you know, the waves, yeah. how it's going to go, where it's going to end up. But I'm in that moment. That's the only bit I can control is what's happening right now. So, yeah, I've said a few things there, but Love be it. yourself. Don't waste your energy trying to be someone else. Because you're Like no one can be as brilliant as you. You can't be as brilliant as the person you think you need to be as brilliant as. So just go with you. Be You're amazing, you. isn't you? Yeah. And I think that's a lovely message of trying to calm that comparison thing down. It's like compare yourself to you. How good were you yesterday? How good are you today? Just be your own benchmark yeah. of success. Exactly. And don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, often the pressure that you feel is often what you're putting on yourself, thinking this is what they yeah. think of me or this is what I need to, you know, I need to have this done. Think about what is real, the real pressure. We're so, you know, and I know, Joe, you've said before about this thing about the garden and yeah. that's really helped me around, you know, your brain, you know, your head, your brain is the garden, your mind is the garden and throw those weeds over the wall. I've said that so many times. <laughs> things that are the negative that are getting in the way, just throw them over the wall and... Yeah. Weedy garden. <laughs> crack on, is what I'd say, yeah. but yeah. So pleased that helped. I love my little garden analogy. Oh, it's brilliant. I use it all the time. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's lovely. And we've had another lovely comment. You've got Amanda Close here saying, love hearing your story, Nikki. And Louise Upchurch, yes, find your sunshine. So important. So thank you for those who have been watching with us. Nikki, before we go, I literally, I would just love to talk to you all day. I just know that there's so oh, much. Let's just keep chatting. <laughs> we'll just fix the world. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> Are there any just final things that we haven't got around to saying that you just would love to share right now for those that are listening? I'll just say, you know, we, it's been a tough 18 mm. months. I've personally found it hugely inspiring just seeing how much we all care for each other. If you're feeling isolated, and it can be easy to feel isolated if you're at home, do reach out and talk to someone because yeah. you're not alone. We're all in it together. There's someone there who can talk to you. So I would say that's really important, the whole you know, we haven't even talked too much about mental health and the true sense of it, but you're not alone if you're out there. You know, there are other people feeling the same. Yeah. When you talk to other people who are feeling the same, it makes you all collectively feel yeah. a little bit better. But yeah, reach out to those people in your agencies or your friends and do talk to someone. Yeah, that's lovely. It's a lovely place to end. Thank you. And for those who watched us live, thank you for being with us. If you're watching the replay, you know, please put your comments in. If you've got questions, you know, we can come back to you and answer your questions as well. Nikki, 
Thank you. It's been it's an absolute pleasure. pleasure. I've absolutely really enjoyed it. it. Thank you. Take care, Thanks. everyone, and we will see you for the next Creators Leaders Club. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Courageous Leaders Club. Do take a moment to let me know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. If you can think of someone who will benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it with them. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Lastly, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and learn more about what I do at www.thechangecreators.com. Thank you so much for being here and we'll meet again on the next episode of the Courageous Leaders Club.